0: You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. This is the absolute final episode of the series, Workship. All right? And uh, this morning, I want to take you into Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to read a couple of verses for you there. Now, we've taken you through several aspects of work, and we've sort of tried to parallel that to the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. And then last week, we took you into that place of rest, and we talked about the Sabbath and the, and the importance and the value of that. Interestingly enough, I think that that may have been the one sermon in my life of preaching that got the most response ever from people was the sermon on the Sabbath. And uh, definitely an area where we all are, are challenged, and uh, we're definitely... Uh, working at, okay? And uh, so let's, uh, let's encourage each other in that as we're going forward, that we are all practicing Sabbath uh, in our relationship with the Lord. But yeah, definitely something that we all need to, to, to uh, be in, very, very intentional about. So today I want to talk just a little bit, uh, just a little bit about works, all right? We talked about work, and now I want to talk about two aspects of works this morning uh, and just touch on those briefly and then what I would like to do is I would like to commission you to your work now for some of you that is a professional career for some of you that is a part-time job right now while you're doing other things for some of you that is just simply the work you are doing to prepare yourself such as in in college studies uh, to do a job or take a career that you're going to be taking uh, down the road somewhere in one, two, three, four, five, six years or whatever. For some of you, uh, your work right now is volunteer. It is not a paid position necessarily. Uh, and, and we want you to feel free to be commissioned in that as, as well, all right? Even though we focused on the, the workplace or the job site type of stuff here in this series, we certainly uh, respect and honor and appreciate God calling people into other facets or other dimensions of work as well. And for some of you, you may be a stay-at-home parent, and so your work is to raise your children and take care of them and prepare them uh, for their life and their career ahead. So we want to honor all of these aspects of work today, okay? I, I have one person today that I'd like to call up and, and I would like to, to have shared with you, and that would be Kayla. So if, if you would come up, Kayla, here, and... Um, you had the microphone. Do you still have the microphone? Oh, here it is, right here. You want to just grab that again? Okay. What I'd like for you to do first is, obviously, tell them who you are and a little bit about what you do. Okay.
1: Okay. I'm Kayla. Um, I work at Starbucks on 13th in Minnesota.
0: Yes! What Starbucks. a finale. <laughs>
1: um, it's a great place. And um, I also work part-time with Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now known as Crew. Um, doing digital strategies and social media things for the upper Midwest.
0: Okay. So um, tell me, d- do this for me. Yes. Name all of the countries of the world that you have been to to do short-term or extended mission work.
1: Okay. Um, Ghana in West Africa. Um, Sorry, this is a little difficult. Ukraine, Belarus, Poland, Croatia, Romania, um, Macedonia, uh, Georgia.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. So you, you've been a few places with the intent of sharing Christ in, in those places around the world. Um, Which is wonderful, by the way. And I I don't mean to put you on the spot, uh, because I know you don't brag about those kinds of things to other people. uh, But they wouldn't know unless I did put you on the spot. And and that gets me to what I want to ask you here. Uh, Talk to me for just a minute about uh, the value of being sent out. I mean, in these situations, you were sent either by a parachurch organization or a church or a combination of both, and, and people and such. But but talk to me a little bit about the value of sensing not only that call to go, but sensing that you have been commissioned, that you've you've in some way been set apart and recognized, and sent by by people who believe in you. And and that that, you you following what I'm saying there. Okay, just talk a little bit about that. Okay.
1: Um, Well, God created us to be in community, and so. It's important. I think one of the things that I valued the most about being sent by my parents' church and by um, the organization I went with was that I wasn't going just because God had called me to go, but that people were invested in what God was doing. That it wasn't just me going, but that there was an entire team of people behind what God was going to do. It wasn't just my work, but all of these people had been praying. All of these people had been invested in trusting that god was going to do work and um also that through that there was accountability that um these people when i came back wanted to know what was happening they had gone with me um without actually getting on a plane and so it's important to be able to be sent and not just to go at it alone because that's hard
0: um what, how do you see God's work in commissioning us? What is God's part? How, how, what, what, is, what role does he play in the commissioning?
1: That's a great question. Um, he <laughs> calls us and he provides. He doesn't just call us to go, but he calls the people to commission us. So they are also good, called good. by him. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. How do we pray for you?
1: Um, you can pray for opportunities with my coworkers at Starbucks um, to be able to share the gospel. Our day is very, very busy. And so um, conversations don't happen that frequently. And when they do, I'm not the first person to jump in with a topic. So um, just for opportunities to show them Christ and to explain the gospel on a regular basis would be great.
0: Okay. I'm totally putting her on the spot today. She didn't know any of these questions. All right, so I'm, I'm just asking these questions to her right off the cuff here. Um, and and uh, you're doing a great job, by the way. Uh, Starbucks is not a corporation that many Christians see as being one they would want to uh, sort of support. Uh, a lot of Christians have a lot of sort of negative or critical things to say about Starbucks, uh, predominantly because of the CEO and his positions on things like same-sex marriage and some of those kinds of things. Um, and so there are Christians that actually boycott Starbucks, uh, won't, won't go there, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, tell me your thoughts about that. You're working there. You chose, I mean, some Christians are saying, I won't spend my money there, and you've said, I'm going to go and be employed there talk to me just a little bit about that.
1: I think the number one reason I wanted to work there is because they offer health care benefits to part-time employees. So that wasn't necessarily a very intentional, selfless decision. But um, yeah, I think seeing the my co-workers are some of the most honest people I have met. They're just willing to share what they believe, what they experience, um, what their relationships look like, and what their past has been like. And um, seeing that and being able to be invited into a place where not only are they honest, but, like, they are willing to hear how honest I am. And um, to be able to be in a place where I, I can't confidently say that I know that my coworkers are Christians. I know a couple of them go to different churches that preach the gospel on a regular basis, like churches that I love and support. But um, that, yeah, that these people um, just, I would never encounter my coworkers outside of work. Like, our social circles are very, very different. And a lot of the people who come through Starbucks are people I would never encounter outside of this place. And so, just the opportunities that there are to be in so many people's lives, even if it's just like this one person who comes and orders the same frappuccino every day and or the same latte or the same this or that, but being able to build a slow relationship with them, but also being able to show them what it looks like to have genuine joy even when it's like 5:30 in the morning and I don't have caffeine yet kind of situation. Um, But trusting that, yeah, that I foolishly applied to work at Starbucks thinking that benefits was the main reason that I should be there, but that God knows these people, and he loves them and cares about them, and he wants them to have the opportunity to hear the gospel, even though they may never actually go to a church because of the experiences that they've had. So um, just being able to see his love for these people has been incredible in knowing that it goes so much deeper than just what, what the beliefs are of this place that they work for.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Let me talk to you a few minutes about the idea of what works do and don't do and I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 2 and I want to look at verses 8 and 9 to do that and I want you to just think about some of the things that Kayla has said to you this morning Um, if you're Attempting a, a job or a career or a passion with the idea in your mind somehow that if I do this really good, God's going to love me. You're missing it, like totally. And if you're doing the things that you're doing because you think that these works are, are maybe going to weight the balance a little bit and could be the tipping point, to get you on the side of heaven over hell. You're missing it terribly. But we are called to work. We're called to work in places that maybe we would never have thought we would work. I, I so appreciate Kayla's heart I, and, and, and I resonate with some of the things that she's talking about because my daughter came to me um, as, as an older teen and a college student and said, Dad, I think I want to go to work for Starbucks. Um, and I don't know how you feel about that. And I said to her, I think that's just the greatest thing in the world. And she goes, Why? And I, and I said to her, Kayla, because they have great benefits. For you, that would be really good. For me, that would be really good. But beyond that, I think you should go there and I think you should be a light in darkness. And uh, I remember going to an event and a woman at that event saw me with a Starbucks cup and she said, Oh, you actually go to Starbucks? You frequent that place? I have completely, completely stopped going there. I used to be a -a two-time-a-day... Girl, and now I am zero. I don't go there anymore. After all those things that their CEO has said, I will never spend another dollar there. I emailed them. I uh, I did. I made phone calls. I signed a petition. I've done it all, and I will never step foot in a Starbucks again. And you know, you always have little friends around. You know, and and I, one of my little friends that was there uh, in in the background said, "Oh, he goes there every day." <laughs> it's a venti latte, no foam, two raw sugars. I know exactly what he drinks. (laughs) And she goes, seriously, you do? And I go, yeah. She goes, why would you do that? And I said, because I am getting to know people in Starbucks. And I am getting to know their life. And you know what? God is letting me fall in love with some of those people uh, in the most godly way. And I am doing everything I can to share my life and to share the love of Christ with them. And, uh, and, and she says, well, wh- why, would you ask, why would you let your daughter work there? And uh, this was down in the conversation a little bit. And, and I said, because what better way to infiltrate darkness than to just go right into it? And so, so my daughter is, is, went in and, and she worked there. And, and it was difficult at times, but it was very rewarding at times. And I'm very proud of her. And I'm very proud of all of you when you have to go into places where there is darkness and you have to be light. And, and, and you do. I mean, we have to. We're called to be light. We are light. We can't be something we're not. All right? We are light. And so, so that light goes in when we go in. All right? And, and so I, I want us today to see the power of working as believers, bringing light into darkness. But I want us to also to understand that there is a work that we cannot do, and there are works that we are called to do. And let's understand that, in the, it, not only in the context of where we work, but in the life of the church and just in our own heart motives as well. Let's get right down to our, our own hearts in this, all right? All right. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. In other words, it's not your works. It's not your efforts. It's not the things that you have accomplished or will accomplish, all right? By grace, the grace of God, you have been saved through faith. It is a gift. It is a free gift that comes from God, all right? And so this is where we land. And, and, and we hold to this because this is important for us. Uh, it, it's not works because if it was works, then we as men would boast. See, we would take credit. We would, we would pat ourselves on the back. We would give ourselves accolades saying, look what I did. I saved myself. And then you'd be trying to save somebody else. All right. But this is the work of God. And so we take our rest in our salvation in that we don't strive for it. We don't work for it. It is the gift of God. It is through Jesus Christ. There is no other gospel. There is no other way to get in. And works won't do that. All right. So as Protestants, as evangelicals, we we are right to assert that we are saved by faith and not by good works. But Let us be careful that we have not slighted this second aspect, if you will, the fruit of our faith. All right? That we hold on to that as well. It's, it's It's like a grown up son who lives in his parent's home he's staying in his father's house all right and and he neglects to contribute to the the welfare or the the well-being or the maintenance of the of the home and the atmosphere of the home i use my son as an example our son our middle son just moved back into our home after having lived uh in an apartment for several years and and uh, he has a couple of jobs uh, here in Sioux Falls, and he's ready to go back to college now, and uh, and so he needs to live at home to be able to afford to do that. Okay, uh, so he we have readily received him back into our home, but my lovely wife said, "Okay, now before you move in, and it's like, hey, now before you move in, you know, didn't matter that he had a mattress on his shoulder, you know, but she's like, wait, you know, <laughs> we're going to talk." All right. There are some guidelines. There are some things. And this is what we want from you. We want you to respect us. We want you to be quiet in the evening. We want you uh, to, to clean up behind yourself. We want you to help us with with maintenance type things around the house. Those kinds of things. You're ours. You belong to us. We love you. You're our son. But now, out of that relationship, will you... Help do some things around the house if you are going to stay with us. And it's right for him to do that, not not for him to get off scot-free. He he has an obligation, if you will, in a sense, to do some good works. And Paul says, I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll I'll prove myself out. I'll, I'll lay it out here for you and demonstrate to you who I am in Christ by the very works that I am doing. Not that they will make me who I am, but because of who I am, I will do them. All right. So we're also saved unto good works. And, and, and the Apostle Paul stresses this. He was the apostle of faith, uh, by all means. All right. And in, in his uh, uh, book to Titus, six different times he he talks about this all right and he calls titus and he says you need to show yourself as a as a pattern of good works all right in one place and then he comes back and he talks about all christians as being zealous to good works and so we hear that phrase again then he says uh, in chapter two you need to be ready for good works all right you need to position yourself so you can do these these good works and then he says and then maintain good works and. In other words don't just get it and position yourself there that's what we do in church a lot we come to church we get it we should be in church and then we come to church and we position ourselves but then that's where we stop it's as if that's it all right but no we position ourselves and we we enter into these good works and we maintain them if you will he goes on so far as to, to, to bring out the other side of this, and he says, you know, those people who are, are always prone to or inclined to the Jewish fables and, and the commandments of men, so they're either in, in these stories or they're in legalism, uh, uh, they are reprobate to good works. So if we are Christians and we're talking about being Christians and, and doing Christian life and living out this life of faith that calls us to good works in Christ who has done the great work of salvation, but we are never doing, only talking. And you remember the Bible says, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer of the word. We're like couch potatoes. We're we're spiritual couch potatoes who are just there, we're just existing, and God isn't wanting that. God wants you and I to, to be involved in these works. I loved Friday night, not because it was Halloween. I don't like Halloween. I don't, I don't like anything about it, I don't think. Except that someone always buys a bag of Reese cups. And it's, it's, it never fails. There's at least one bag of Reese cups, and I always have one. I'm not a, I'm not a chocolate or peanut butter eater. Uh, But just once in a while, you know, just once in a while, I just, it's like, I want to taste that Reese Cup. And it's an experience, you know. It's an unbelievable experience. I put the whole thing in my mouth. I do. I put, I I unwrap it, and I smell of it. I just smell it for a moment. And then I put the whole thing in my mouth, and I just stand there. It's terrible, because a couple times someone has come up and asked me a question, and I'm like, you know, like, well nothing comes, yeah, you know, I can't i I can't talk, you know. But I just so now I go in my office and close the door <laughs> and I just savor that and I just let it melt in my mouth. It's just marvelous. But then I've had enough for a year. You know, I can wait till next year to do it again. All right. Okay. So but but I got I had my Reese's cup early on in the evening and then I I was involved. I was doing good good noble works too. But I just loved seeing the people of Life Church working with each other and and doing great things and, and being a part of something bigger than themselves and just having a good time. And I, at one point I was like, God, I want to be mindful. Help me. I want I, I I love seeing this, but I want to be mindful. Help me to remember that there were people who did other things. And they're not even here tonight, but they did things. They they, they, they made this uh, uh, you know happen because of their good works as well. And then I went back and I thought, gosh, you know, there are people who have been praying for several weeks for this. You know, they've just been praying daily for this outreach. And then I thought about, uh, it, it just came to my mind, three of the people that I saw uh, when we were out doing the flyers, and they were talking to a guy on the side of the street that was just sitting there, and they stopped doing their flowers and just chatted with this, this guy who, who obviously wasn't probably from, the, 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 didn't live in the neighborhood, just sitting there by a church uh, waiting, and, uh, but, but just talking to him, just visiting with him. These are all good things, good works that were being done. But you know the beauty of it? No one was trying to strive for God. No one was trying to to find perfection in all of this and and, and rely on this to get them somewhere with God. There's such great joy in doing it. It was because of the understanding that the work had been done to save us. Jesus did that work on the cross and it is a finished work. And so now we are able to do these good works, these noble things, all right? When a man's converted, he is a new creature, all right? He, he becomes new in, in, in every sense. So instead of living the old self, the old life, he now lives for, for Christ. It's, it's like someone who changes a, 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 a hobby. The, the old hobby was himself. He was his own hobby, and he did everything for himself. And now Christ is the new hobby, and I don't use that that particular analogy to in any way diminish the the amazingness of Jesus. Uh, I use the word hobby here, or this analogy, because this is what I know. I know that if there is anything that you really enjoy doing, like your favorite hobby, you will spend your time and your energy and your resources to do it. And you will sacrifice other things to be able to do your hobby. And at the end of the day, for a lot of people, that hobby is really self and what makes self feel good or fulfilled. And the reality is that we are now a new creature. We are in Christ, so we are not living for the old self. We are now living unto Christ, all right? But He's done the work that allows us to live unto Him, and that work is done, so we're not striving for that. But now we are living in works for Him, to Him, by Him. So as a new creature... This person, you, I, us, we are, we are productive in Christ. And that's where Christ wants us to be, productive in Him, all right? There, there are a number of scriptures that we looked at throughout the series that talks a bit about that. Talks about this, this idea of being faithful, of, of taking what we've been given and, and, and working with it so that there is, is an, an abundance or there is an increase, if you will, all right? So I want to say to you today, let's, let's us believers, let's us... Do what is necessary to not neglect the good works, all right? And what I want to do this morning is is I I want to, well, I want to ask you a question. This would be the big question today. Uh, What area of your daily life can you revive the doing of good works? What's something that's amiss? What's something that's out of kilter? What's something that's missing? What's something that's just like totally void for you In your daily life. As it. As it pertains to good works and let me give you some and let you think about them all right and and what you're going to do is i talk about these here for just a moment you're going to you're going to start hopefully to figure out especially you who are covenant members that well these are these things are biblical these things are just biblical things that that we should be doing that's right they're good works and and we should be doing even though we're not legalistic about things here at life church these are things that we would say to you you should do them they're they're important but they're not just important for life church they're important for you in terms of your own relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with your heavenly father so so we want you to be mindful of these things if you're a covenant member you have probably already are you're, you're going to realize that you have already sort of committed to these things these are things that you say i will do because i am a covenant member all right. There are other things besides these that covenant members commit to, but these are all in the covenant. All right? But the reality is that there is nothing in the covenant that isn't in Scripture. And so, so to become a covenant member doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do something extra special that other people aren't required to do. It's just you do them at a level of commitment to this particular body um, that others may not be willing to commit to or haven't committed to. All right? So here's the first, like, noble or good work that I feel that we as a body need to be committed to. And this one is, is like, at the top of my list. And, and uh, I'm going to, uh, well, let me just tell you what it is. First of all, it is a devotion to the Word of God. This is a good work, to devote yourself to the Word of God, to the study of the Word of God, to daily devotion time, that you have a time with God. And we, we hear this all the time from all kinds of people. But the reality is all the statistics, all the polls, all the questionnaires that have been uh, given to people in the church, Christians, believers, members of congregations, is that this is one of the hardest things for people to do. It's one of the greatest challenges among Christians. There are many, many Christians who don't have a daily devotion time. All right? So how how far you've plunged from um, being a good Bible studier is 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 not what I'm after today. I'm after retrieving you, getting you back. All right. So I'm not I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to 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 uh, call you out on something here. I'm saying, hey, us as God's people in Life Church, can we recommit to this good work? Can we come back to being really, really, genuinely? committed so that we are not haphazard in our Bible reading and our Bible study and our scripture memory. And you're going, oh, Pastor Bill, come on, I thought you were more relevant than that. Bible memorization was for me when I was in Sunday school back down there in South Iowa somewhere. Nope. The Bible says, hide this word in your heart. And that may sound old and can to you, but I'm going to ask you to find a way to revive this good work so that it becomes really, really relevant to you. It comes really, really important to you that you place a value on it, okay? So I want us even today that we repent that we don't regularly read the Word of God and meditate on it every day. There's 1,189 chapters in the Bible, all right? So if you do the math, that means that if you try to read three chapters plus just a little bit more uh, every day, you could read the whole Bible in a year. So just three chapters of the Bible a day, and you could get through the whole Bible in a year. How do you think your, your spiritual life would change if you went through the Bible every year of your life? That could be quite amazing. Just just having that kind of familiarity and handle on the Word of God could be absolutely outstanding. Um, John Sung is a Presbyterian preacher. He reads uh, 11 chapters of the Bible on weekdays and 13 chapters on weekends. Um, and now he's, a, he's a strange duck. I'm not asking you. Oh, Someone's going to hear this on this podcast and send me something. He's, he's a unique, wonderful man, okay? He's, he's, he, but he doesn't read any other books. He just reads the Bible. And he, but he's got such a command of the Word of God. All right, Now, I'm not advocating to do that. I don't think that my brother is, is, is doing the best to just focus on the Bible and nothing else. I want you in commentaries. I want you in relevant books that address relevant issues of our day from very solid scholars and theologians. I want you reading, reading reading. I I think that that's very, very important for you to do, okay? Um, But what I'm saying is there's a place, I think there's a balance in there for us, and you can get in God's Word, and you can can read and study God's Word, and I think it will revolutionize your life spiritually. I really believe that. Uh, If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be talking to you about it today, because this is something you've all heard. I am preaching to the choir today, all right? I certainly am. Uh, But here's the thing, we are we are at a place, David and I, um, where we really want again to get a fresh sense of what God's purposes are and what He's doing in life. Church, uh, we we, we kind of visit this place occasionally, at least on a yearly basis. Uh, but some time back we had a meeting, and we had all of the people who were members of Life Church, um, and regular attenders were, were allowed to come as well. Um, and we met and we had someone facilitate uh, a process for us to help us to figure out the kinds of things that we needed to do. and, and the, the ultimate goal is to, to find out what is it that God wants of life Church, and we 're going to do that in January of this year. But here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to do it a bit different. Before, we just had a meeting. We set it all up. We did uh, a, a little bit of work for that. We brought someone in um, to, to do that. And uh, it was a great experience for us. That's how the community garden sort of came into existence, was out of that particular um, sort of think tanking, uh, strategizing, time-seeking God. Okay? But here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to create a journal for you. And that journal is going to have a page for each day for 21 days. The first three full weeks of January, we're going to call you to prayer and fasting. All right? Well, you didn't do too bad with that. That wasn't too, I, there were some grimaces, but they weren't horrible. All right, it was okay. It was okay. Yes, prayer and fasting, fasting of some sort. All right, we're going to preach about prayer. We're going to preach about fasting. We're going to give you a journal. You're going to have a day uh, to journal each day of that 21 day period. What is God saying to you about life, church, and you in life, church? All right. And so each day you get to journal, whatever it is that God says. If he doesn't say anything, you get to leave it blank. But we're believing that... that God speaks, and we're fasting and praying. So God is going to speak to us collectively as Life Church. All right, so we're going to go through 21 days of fasting and praying, seeking God's will for Life Church, and then we are going to come together. We're not going to bring someone from the outside in. Pastor Dave and I, and maybe some of the elders or others in the church, are going to facilitate this day. Um, but we're going to we're going to ask you. There's going to be a, a blank page on the back of that journal for you to then write a synopsis of everything that God has given to you in that 21 day period for life church all right so you get to write your synopsis and then you can turn that in it can be anonymous or you can put your name on it that isn't an issue uh but just the idea is that you turn it in to us okay and then pastor dave and i will create a synopsis a collective uh sense of what god is saying to life church and we will write that up for you and then we're all going to get together and uh and we're going to break our fast we're going to have some food to eat and, uh, and just enjoy our time together. And then we're going to look at, in a very serious way, what is it God is saying to Life Church? And that is going to come out of God's heart speaking to all of you. All right? And from there, we're going to, to uh, intensify and fortify the vision of Life Church to go and make disciples. All right? So we're really believing that God is going to speak. But. There are going to be scripture references for you each day to take, and, and, and we're going to ask you to be in the word reading and letting God speak to you. We want to hear what God is saying. So, so your time in the Word of God, as we are entering into the new year through these holidays, is absolutely essential. All right? We need you. I'm calling on you, as life church, that as we leave this particular series on work, the work of Christ and good works that you and I are in the Word in preparation for a season, a time of seeking the face of God for life, church, because we are going to run with whatever God gives us as a body of believers. All right? We're going to hear what the Word of the Lord is speaking. Life Church. So I hope you will be in the Word of God. I hope you'll also be having devotions and family time if you're in a family or, or if you're in a, in a dorm with a group or whatever. That you, there are times when you are spending in devotion, okay? Here's another good work for you. And uh, it's going to sound like I'm just being a harping pastor today about church life, uh, and I'm not, okay? But I want you to be involved in the good work of gathering. By that, I mean getting together, all right, that you are making time to be a part of the body of Christ, that you're not forsaking assembling yourself together. This isn't about church attendance. This is about community. I love what Caleb said today, that it's all about community, all right. It is, we are a community, and God has brought us together, and He's caused us to, to be knitted together by His Spirit, all right, not we, we, we look around. You're not here because you all have the same things in common. This might be one of the most eclectic churches in the whole city, which I think is one of its greatest strengths. The level of diversity in this church, I think, is tremendous and phenomenal. And and the fact that we can have unity in that diversity and and grow together and defer to one another over our own personal preferences is absolutely outstanding. It's a testament to the Spirit of God at work in us and through us and for us. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful witness to the community and especially to to, to this area of our city because it is the most diverse area of our city. And so it's wonderful. It's absolutely outstanding. And so I, I'm asking you that you be genuinely committed to when you can be. Be here for events. Sundays, yes, in particular, but other events as well. And in life groups and, and outreaches and those kinds of things. It's really amazing because Wednesday night we had a wonderful group of people who came to help pass out flyers. Uh, Thursday night we had a wonderful group of people who came to set up and do all of that. And then Friday we had a wonderful group of people who came and who actually, um, you know, uh, implemented the the, the festival and and, and took care of it and ran it. Um, And there were some people who were the same every night, but there were new people on different nights. And so each one brought their gifts and did what they could do. And, and all together, collectively, we had a wonderful experience together, all right? Those, those good works just came out. But a big part of that is this sense of community, this sense of belonging, this sense of being together, all right? And so that is something I want us to hold on to and to be diligent about is this good work of gathering together to celebrate our risen Savior and to worshiping Him in spirit and in truth, all right? It's another good and noble work that you can do, and, and that I think needs to, to, to be a part of what we are about as life church, and that is the work of caring for the house. That, by that I mean life church, not your dorm room or your personal home, all right? Um, you know, my son lives in, in my house with me now, and we tell him he's got to clean up in the kitchen behind himself, and he's got to park his car right you know on the street, and he's got to help with the yard work a little bit and those kinds of things. but I just don't open his bedroom door. I just don't go in there. That's his. That's his. It's a mess. All right, it's a mess. But I'm talking about the house, God's house, that we're all diligent to care about and be responsible for. God's house and the care of it, and the maintenance of it, and all those kinds of things. That we're all working together for this uh, this thing called life church. It's not about a building, but this is our building. This is where we meet and where we gather. And I want to encourage you to take ownership of it and, and to, to let it be something where you say, hey, here's something I can do. Here's, here's a way I can help. Here's a way I can bless Life Church, all right? And that may be doing something tangible, it may be giving financially so that things can get done, uh, whatever. Uh, but we're very, very close to paying off our mortgage here. Uh, which has been done in a miraculous amount of time. Uh, we own the land on each side of us, so now we can think about how do we expand and how do we do things to continue to grow and make an impact in this particular neighborhood. Okay? So caring for the house. Um, once we are, have those things in place, then it comes the great work, uh, which is a really good work, and that is missions. Being on mission. Being missional, all right? And I tell you what... Th- there are so many people in this church who are so missionally minded all right i mean this just seems to be what captures a lot of the people who come to life church all right uh this is our most worthy cause if you will all right and it's a good work this work of missions and and, and i'm not just talking about joining a mission trip and, and please understand this andrew and i are working towards all of you going on mission trips and we kind of like to push that and Jeannie's going and alicia's going they'll be going to india the first of the year uh february right you, You guys are going to India, and and there'll be other opportunities for for many of you to go places. But this isn't, we're not talking about just, okay, I get to do a missions trip because it's a romantic thing to do, and it'll be fun, it'll be an adventure, and I'm just going to go, and that'll be great. And then when I get back, then I'm just going to go back to my normal life. No, we're talking about networking and getting to know people in other parts of the world and going to them and coming home and, and finding out what we can do to go back again and be with them again and coming home and finding out how do we support them when we're at home and they're ever on our heart and they're ever in our mind and they're ever in our pocketbook And so all of our decisions are around helping all these other people in other parts of the world to do what they need to do. Pastor Dave and Jenny went to Africa to meet their daughter and finalized the adoption, which they did, uh, but they came back home after being there and being with her and staying at Kinder Paradise with her and all of that. And when they came back home, then David said, we need to do something for Kinder Paradise. We saw this place. It's legit. This is an awesome place and they're taking care of kids and the staff is wonderful and the administrator is a godly woman. And and so we we need to help them. And he said to me, and it was, I just, I so appreciated just the comment that came because it it sort of entered." disrupted the the conversation it just came out of him it's like it was it was just right there and he had been holding it and it was big and and all of a sudden as we were talking and i'm talking and he just he looks at me and he goes i'll always do something for kinder paradise and i'm like yes that's what i'm talking about when we make long-term commitments to to people and we stay faithful to those and we do that and, and, and there are Granted, there are times when, when there are seasons of life with certain ministries and certain situations. But what we're saying is we, we won't just leave you. We won't just forget you. This isn't just a fix for us. This isn't just to make us feel better or feel more spiritual. But we're actually going to stay in this thing. And so we're trying to find ministries and organizations and situations and circumstances where we can go in there. But it's, a, it's for the long haul. We're saying, okay, God, we're writing a blank check of our lives here. And we're saying, whatever you want to do with us. And if I'm the one that goes and comes back and keeps it going, then great. But if I'm the one that goes and you say, hey, I want that check and I want all of it right now. And you're staying right here. Then you say, yes. Yes, God. That's what my life is. It's your blank check. And you can do with it as you will. And you enter into many noble works with that. Lastly, this is the work of generosity. This isn't about tithing. This is about giving. Tithing is about money. Giving is about everything. And I'm asking you to enter into the work of generosity. How do you help your brother and sister prosper? How do you help lost people prosper? How do you help poor people and disenfranchised people prosper? What, what is the need in people's lives? And for some, it's just the gospel. But For others, they need a, they need a meal before they can hear the gospel. All right? For others, it's a long-haul commitment of walking with them through uh, an addiction or, 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 or a, a, a difficult, traumatic situation. All right, so there's all kinds of ways for us to be generous, but we need to realize that God has called us and He talks about the rich and what is the responsibility of the rich. And He says in Timothy, charge them that are rich in this world All right, that they may not be high-minded, that they won't trust in uncertain kinds of riches, but that they will trust in the living God who gives richly all things to enjoy, that they do good. They do good, that they be rich in good works, the works that we are called to do, all right? Ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up a store for themselves of a good foundation against the time to come that they may have eternal life and lay hold on to it. This is what we're called to do. And here's why, here's why I, I, I give that verse to you today. And that is this, I believe that if we will be honest about ourselves, we cannot look around this room and say, well, that person could be rich, but that one's probably not. That person is maybe is rich, but this one is not. Regardless of where you're at income-wise, in this community, in this church, in your own family, because you are in America, you are sitting here in this city, you are either going to school or working a job, you're rich. You're rich. You've been blessed, and that blessing holds you to account, and you must evaluate how is it, was it I can do to be generous, and all of these things you need, in my opinion, to be able to go out and do the work that God has called you to do. Amen? Amen. I would like then to...